everybody, and welcome back to episode 89 of the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. Hi, my name is Dustin. And I'm Lakeisha. And uh, welcome back to the Portland, Oregon area podcast about uh, your favorite beer reviewing, movie reviewing podcasts. That's right. Of which there are maybe many. <laughs> probably. Uh, probably. But this week, kind of kind of part one of a two-part series, I guess you could say. Uh, we are going to revisit uh, from 2014. Yes, Godzilla. Godzilla. Not uh, to be mistaken for the 1998 version of Godzilla. Oh, we'll probably talk about that for a minute. <laughs> uh, 2014 Godzilla. I know I saw it in a theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that movie. I know it has its critics. critics. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was kind of polarizing when it came out. Uh, but oh really? Huh. Okay. But no. But I like it. I like oh, it I do too. Bit. Yeah. Right, we'll get into more details about Godzilla in advance of the brand new Godzilla movie. Right. That which we'll do we'll... next week. Yeah. Uh, but first, uh, a couple of beers that we are reviewing. Mm-hmm. And no idea who goes first. We're so good at keeping track of that. I know. Um, I feel like you go first. Okay. I am having from Trapdoor Brewing, which is a brewery just across the river in Vancouver, Washington. It is called the Gift Horse Kvayik IPA, India Pale Ale. It's called a Kvayik IPA because that is a Norwegian word for brewer's yeast. Mm -hmm. It does not refer to a style of beer, but to a family of yeast passed down for generations over there in Norway. Traditionally used in Norwegian farmhouse brewing. It exhibits characteristics uncommon in other brewing yeasts. Uh, for this IPA, they used a type of kvayik known for importing tropical flavors when fermented at elevated temperatures. They added some Southern Hemisphere aromatic hops to make a beer that is not my favorite. <laughs> um, I appreciate what they're doing. Uh, 7.1% alcohol by volume. It looks like a hazy or juicy IPA. Oh my gosh, yeah. And it just has this aftertaste that just, I can't, it's not, I don't like it. Mm. It's kind of, let me try it again. I mean, I've had worse, (laughs) uh, if I'm honest. It's still not the worst beer I've ever even done for the podcast. Right. Uh, But yeah, it's, I don't know, something about that aftertaste. It goes from... Oh, this might be okay. No, it's not. Oof, yeah. That's rough. Hmm. I didn't really notice the aftertaste, but it's pretty mild mm-hmm. for an IPA, for sure. Um, and it is, I mean, it looks like one of those milkshake IPAs. Yeah. You know? Okay. Um, very thick, in, like, uh, in terms of that hazy color. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one thing I did find out cool about the... Uh, about the brewery itself, um, you know, they bake everything on site. They also have a program called the Co-Hop program the where co-hop. you can sign up and they will give you hops and equipment and directions to grow hops oh, there for you go. them. Oh, And like when it's time to harvest whatever little bit of hops you've been able to grow, you give it back to them. And I don't, it doesn't sound like you get a whole lot for it. It's like I saw on there, a free beer. Oh, you know, That's an awful lot of work for a you free You would beer. think. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what goes into growing hops. I don't think that it's like they... It's not, it's not like people are telling an entire field. I think it's just maybe like one plant. 
but they they, they didn't return. <laughs> but um, but interesting idea. Yeah, that is yeah. an interesting idea. And uh, yeah, Sid's on the website. Fourth generation uh, beer industry family running that place. I'm sure they have other things I would like more than this. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, uh, interesting idea. Something from Nor- I think this is the second Norwegian. Second beer I've had that had something to do with Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. Strike two. Okay. So anyway, but what about you? Um, all right. So I have a beer from Block 15 Brewing Company. Uh-huh. So out of Corvallis, Oregon. You, we, we've talked about them several times in previous podcasts. Yes. Um, you have one of your probably favorite beers mm-hmm. um, is there. Yep. From there, right? Sticky Hands. Sticky Hands. Um. I am not drinking the sticky hands. No. Um, I am drinking the audacity of opacity. Yes. Although I think the word is opacity is how you would say okay. that. Okay. Um, but it is thoughts on reclaiming clarity in the American IPA. I, so I think that name is a bit audacious. It is. I would say so. But it's definitely uh, designed... To re uh, reclaim the clear IPA, because um, obviously for the last couple of years, hazy IPAs have been all the rage. Yes. Um, this is actually their second release of this beer. Oh, okay. It's a seasonal like specialty release. Um, they first released it in May of 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a, re- a release party in early May, and then they had a second release party for this new um, iteration, I guess. Um, on May 4th of 2019. So, kind of cool. Yeah. Um, they say, let's see, when they discuss it, they or on the back it talks about, let's see, hop to extract bright tropical character and gentle bitterness. This clearly juicy IPA <laughs> features a fruity hop profile, soft body, and sparkling clarity. Trust your taste buds and you won't need a visual aid to appreciate vibrant hop notes of pineapple, mango, and tangelo. Um, I have thoughts on tangelo. I don't know what to say. Um, but this is 7% alcohol by volume. I can't find anywhere where they give you the IBUs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is definitely uh, a gently, gently bitter IPA. So not a... Um, it's not the hoppiest that we've had yeah. before. Um, it's good. I think the more I sip at it, the more I like it. Um, my first couple of, uh, sips, I was, I was not too sure. So, um, but it's pretty good. It's, it's a little sweet for me, almost like a, a double or a triple IPA. Okay. So, um, but it's pretty good. So. It looks the opposite of mine. Yes. You can see right through it. It is very well, I mean, it's still a, it's a beer color, but you can. Oh, it's a very clear. clear yes, liquor. absolutely. Yeah. So, but yeah, so um, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. Not not the best IPA I've had. Yeah. But a pretty decent one. Okay. And uh, yeah, and that name is is something. It is. It's making a statement. Making something. <laughs> making something. <laughs> All right, so we get to talk about the movie Godzilla. Godzilla came out in 2014, Mm -hmm. the 60th anniversary of the original Godzilla, uh, starring Aaron Taylor Johnson, 
Elizabeth Olsen, Ken Watanabe, Brian Cranston, others. Yeah. Um, estimated production budget, I looked this up, $160 million. Uh, worldwide made a little over $529 million. <laughs> so I don't know how that calculates as far as studio thinking. If whether I mean, obviously good enough. Right. They made a sequel. They made a sequel. They actually greenlit the sequel that just came out and the... Uh, coming apparently next year, Godzilla vs. King Kong movie, mm-hmm. like almost immediately upon this movie's release. Um, but yeah, uh, did you see it in a theater? I don't think so. Yeah. And I think it's because I'm not necessarily um, a, like a, a Godzilla fangirl. You mm-hmm. know, like I know who Godzilla is. Yeah. I've kind of seen clips of the old, like, original Godzilla movies. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, like, I've never sat down and watched them. I don't... Um, the 1998 Godzilla movie made me laugh, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, but I, I mean, I guess I saw it, but I don't recall being like, I got to see this in the theater. Yeah. Now, I remember seeing it um, once it hit videos. I clearly remember seeing that. And I remember being like, Wow, this is this is really good, and it's a movie that is I always know I like, mm-hmm. and then once I sit down and and watch it again, I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I do like this movie, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I forget, yeah, the part, you know, how much I like it, and one of the things I'll talk about is because I always forget about literally the first half of the movie, mm-hmm. right, right, um, and so. Whenever I sit down and watch it from the beginning, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a really, there's a, there's a whole storyline here that I miss completely. Yeah. Um, when, you know, when you sit down and it's on TNT or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. I I like Godzilla quite a bit. Yes. Um, I like the idea of Godzilla. Um, I can't say that I've watched um, all the old movies. I've seen some of them for sure. But just something about, there was a cartoon a Saturday morning cartoon that I watched all the time as a kid that was a Godzilla cartoon. Oh, wow. Uh, and just the idea of it. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time on the ocean in Alaska with my family. Uh, we fished commercially in the summers up there. And I spent a lot of time in a boat. And just the idea of being out on the water, on the ocean, and that maybe underneath there, there's this massive, you know, fire-breathing creature that could maybe, you know, all of a sudden start coming up, you know, mm-hmm. up out of the water. And just always loved that kind of image and just like to imagine as a kid, that sort of thing. And uh, and yeah, so I was really looking forward to this movie, um, you know, making a Godzilla movie with the technology that exists now, mm-hmm. you know. And so I had to go see it in a the theater. Right. And it's, I would say, I would love to go back and see this in the theater. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I know next week we're going to be talking about the sequel, King, yeah. Godzilla King of the Monsters. Mm-hmm. And I have lots of thoughts about uh, why people should go see that movie in the theater. Yeah. Um, but I definitely feel like this is a movie that, like the this movie, Godzilla, mm-hmm. definitely needs to be seen on a big screen. And yeah. I wish that I had. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, uh, we've each come up with our three favorite things about mm-hmm. Godzilla. And we haven't shared them with each other until now. We'll go back and forth doing that. Spoiler alert. Uh, for a movie that's five years old. Right. If you haven't seen it, we're not... No sympathy. No sympathy about spoiler things. 
All right, so I will go first. Mm-hmm. So my first favorite thing is simply just how he looks. Yeah. The design of the Godzilla monster, I feel, is incredible. For one, he's just so massive. Yeah. He is, they made him so big that there was concern about, well, they we know we, they want to make Kong versus Godzilla. What are they going to do with King? They're going to have to upscale King Kong. Because right. King Kong needs to climb to tops of buildings. This Godzilla just walks by the tops of buildings. Right. Um, he's so massive that fans in Japan, upon the movie's release, kind of, there was some like weird fat shaming going on because he's just so wide, so, you know, big. Um, just, and part of it is due to, uh, director Gareth, uh, Edwards, uh, one of his, he's known for being really good at scale. Mm -hmm. Um, and he really showed just how incredibly big his version of the monster was. It was this that really probably got him the job directing Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's just incredible. He looks so cool, I yeah. feel. Um, you know, and growing up, you know, anytime any of the old Godzilla movies would come on, you know, cable, I would try, I'd, I'd watch them. Um, I still, I feel the original Godzilla is actually quite a good uh, science fiction movie it's a little dark it's about you know the dangers right. of humans and the atomic age and what they're screwing around with the sequels all get very goofy and I, but i would still watch them because i just love the idea of the godzilla monster but even as a kid i feel like in the back of my mind i was always thinking i wish this was a little better mm-hmm. i wish this looked not this like this you know i mean they were doing <laughs> what they could I didn't right. think as a kid, I didn't realize how much old, how old those movies really were. They mm-hmm. weren't, you know. And they were doing what they could with a practical rubber suit and, you know, stomping upon miniature, you know, houses, city, houses and, yeah. and whatever. Um, but now this movie comes and I feel that this God's, this creature that they have put on screen is the Godzilla I've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. That I always wanted to see. I mean, because it... No point in that movie did it ever cross my mind. Maybe it's a guy in a suit. Maybe it's all CGI. It was right. just my suspension of disbelief was totally taken care of. And I was watching a enormous monster wreck San Francisco. Right. And, I mean, they, they say, um, they figure that he's 355 feet tall, a full length of 550 feet, two inches. <laughs> And a weight of, if he really existed, 90,000 tons. Oh. That is a monster. And he looks incredible. And that's every time we, we get to the end of the movie where you get to see him finally kind of full. Mm-hmm. In his regalia, it's uh, it still looks incredible. Oh, so, yeah. So that's my favorite thing. Just how he looks. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is related to that. Um, I do think just, I do think Godzilla is amazing. Like, mm-hmm. and he gets less than 12 minutes of screen time. Yeah. You know, in this whole movie. And yet, it is such a worthy payoff. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he, when he gets up, uh, he, you first see him in Hawaii at the, um, when he gets out at the airport, there's right. been a lot of destruction. And he steps through the flames, and you're just like, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he roars. It's a visually stunning cinematic moment. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of those times where you kind of want to just do some screen captures 
because they're all crazy beautiful moments Mm -hmm. which you don't really get in the early movies like there's not a moment when you're like there are iconic moments but there's not a movie that necessarily you're like you you almost it's breathtaking in how beautiful it is Mm -hmm. almost and i would say the scenes with godzilla it is that way. Yeah. Like, he's so massive. Mm-hmm. You know? And I saw that, too. Like, these, like, fat shaming, yeah. you know, things. I was like, okay, I don't... I'm just going to go on a little side tangent here and talk about what it... Where are we at when we are fat shaming uh, mythical creatures? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But also, if you think about dinosaurs, you know, like... He's kind of on par with some of them. He's not that much bigger than some of our largest dinosaurs, you know, mm-hmm. that we know about. So it's like, okay, um, it would be, you know, that that's totally reasonable now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that, but anyway, so I just, I like the scenes with Godzilla in it, especially when he is fighting um, the Mutos, mm-hmm. which I just have to pause and be like, really? That's the best name they could get. Yeah. Mutos. You know, I I would say, like, yeah, that's it's dumb. What is but it? It's, Mu- but it also sounds like an acronym that the military would come up right. with. Right. And what were they called? Monsters. Uh, I thought Emily started with mutated. Mutated and usual terrestrial organism. organisms or something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but. I just felt like when I watched this, um, they really did do a good job of creating these creatures to be um, very realistic in terms of they were just large, almost majestic endangered species, Mm -hmm. you know, versus a terrorizing uh, creature, evil. Like they're not, they're not not portrayed as evil. Right. Right. They're just giant creatures who have a different, like, perspective on survival. Right. And the fact that their survival would mean the destruction of an of humanity mm-hmm. is, like, not on their mind. Like, they're not thinking about that, you right. know? <laughs> um, but I just, I like it that um, Ed, Gareth Edwards treats his monsters with such respect and that it is very much, he treats them like they are simply forces of nature. Yeah. Which they are. And then they, of course, you know, like, expand on that theme mm-hmm. later on. But, um, but yeah, so I, I also really liked Godzilla. I loved his... I loved the scenes with him. I loved his fight scenes with the Mutos. Mm-hmm. I even liked just the photos of the Mutos. Like, this... I mean, they get more screen time than he does, so... Yeah. Um, but they do a good job of, once again, just... Ex- uh, of... Im- evoking the idea that this these are simply forces of nature mm-hmm. there's no evil intent yeah in them which makes them more sympathetic creatures as you're watching it yeah like you're definitely like oh this is bad and i can see why everybody's trying to stop them but they are you know you're not necessarily cheering at the end that anybody dies you're just yeah. mostly like that was a necessity right so yeah but anyway, so that's what I liked. Okay. Cool. All right. For my second thing, um, and for the second thing, we will have to take a trip back in time to the year 1998. <laughs> Godzilla, uh, starring Matthew Broderick in a monster that is in no way actually Godzilla. 
Um, so look, um, you know, I'll say about a movie I like dislike for talk, just talking movies between us ourselves or friends or whatever. Oh, I hated that movie. You know, but generally I don't actually mean that. You know, right. I just disliked it. Whatever. I can think of I think three times where I have walked out of a movie theater legitimately angry with what has just transpired. And that movie was one of them. <laughs> they got everything wrong. Everything wrong. Another uh, podcast I listened to talked about that movie and that uh, Toho, the studio in Japan that created Godzilla, gave them, well, I can't remember whether it was Warner Brothers, whatever studio made that movie, you know, a list of things that Godzilla needed to have, you know, and they essentially ignored them all. And when Toho saw the finished product of that Godzilla monster, they apparently, the room was dead silent. And it was essentially decided, it's, there's no way we can make them go back and change it, change it that much. Because they've literally done nothing we told them they needed to do. So we're just going to kind of throw our hands up in the air and disown it. <laughs> um, but one of the, of all the things that they got wrong in that movie... Well, one of them, he's essentially just a big iguana. He's mm-hmm. not a radiated, mutated, whatever. Right. And what really bothered me and my gave me the most nerd rage. No fire breathing, no atomic breath. It's just a big iguana running around. It just it bothered me so much. So now we come to 2014. Uh, that big throwdown at the end in San Francisco against the two Mutos. And he looks like he's maybe, you know, losing that fight. It's not going well. And then all of a sudden, you hear this humming, mm-hmm. crackling sound. And then out of the dust and the ashes of the, of the wreckage of the city, you see this glow. And you see the spines on Godzilla's tail start to turn blue. And they glow this bright, beautiful blue. And it races up the spines all the way up his back. And then all of a sudden... He turns, opens up his mouth, and just shoots out this blue, flaming, atomic breath, hitting one of those mutos. And I could have walked out of the theater then, a happy man, a happy man. Just seeing that finally happen on screen, and it looked incredible. It's an mm-hmm. incredible effect, and it just that burned away a lot of baggage. <laughs> From that previous garbage movie. I'm just so... I, was, I had actually... When I'm watching it in the theater, I think, you know... I think I maybe kind of forgot about the whole Godzilla having the atomic breath. I didn't even think about it. Just of everything else that was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fight with the other two monsters. And then all of a sudden I heard that noise and I was like, Oh! It's happening. <laughs> and it was a great effect. I, I, I was just so happy when they, they did that. And, you know, used it a few times. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. Yeah. yeah. I do have to say, I like it when um, Godzilla, like it's right at the end and it's the female mm. Muto. And he like just grabs it and like shoots its atomic breath down its throat right and like it burns its, its head, head off, off and then he like just drops the head separately yeah. and you're like oh that's i a, mean that's yeah. that's kind of gruesome and yet so Ooh. cool yes yes awesome all right well my number two is um 
the scene where the tactical team does their halo dive in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a scene that was shown on a lot of the trailers. And it's even one of the like iconic pictures. Like when you like one of the the posters. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Yes. I mean, like there's a moment of silence and then you can like you can hear the the sound come up and the music that they play to that Mm -hmm. is um, uh, Giorgi Ligeti's Requiem. And it just it's a it's the perfect compliment Mm -hmm. to that scene of just kind of falling and falling through darkness and yeah. not really knowing what you're going to see on the other side of that dust cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, it There's a this amazing sense of suspense and awe and the music is, I mean, superbly matched to that scene. Um, and, you know, and then... So you, you get kind of this juxtaposition of like first person view as they're falling through and then right. they go out and do the wide shot of them falling with the red uh, smoke so they don't hit each other. Right. Um, but it's, it is so good. It is a like, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, five second scene, six second scene, maybe a little bit longer. It's longer than that. A little bit longer than that. But it is, it is really, really good. Um, and it leads to, you know, I like that whole sequence where, you know, then they land and then they all rendezvous and their whole goal is to take the nuke and like lure it out, you know, take it out to sea and lure the, the mutos out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, just that rendezvous getting there, grabbing the nuke and like having to haul it out by hand. I mean, that's gotta be incredible. Um, but then, you know, Ford just turns around and is kind of like, oh, what, should we leave this giant nest of uh, baby, yeah, uh, right. you know, yeah. of the babies that are going to come? Um, and then he sets them on fire and decides to destroy the nest. And that's just a yeah. great scene. And then it, it leads into a moment of, you know, I, I talked about treating the, the, um, Mutos and the monsters as though they are just forces of nature mm-hmm. because it leads to kind of the moment where you see the female Muto um, really reacting um, right. to the loss of her eggs. Right. You know, like there's definite anguish in the, in the screeches and the clicks and the, yeah. you know, sounds that she's making. Um, it is very much a... Um, a creature who's intelligent enough to realize that um, her offspring are gone. And yeah. and then to turn around and kind of seek vengeance. Like how something that large sees somebody as small as Ford is kind of right. incredible. <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, that, that whole sequence is just, it's a really good, tense... Um, suspenseful sequence that starts with that just again beautiful scene of them Mm -hmm. leaping out of the plane and doing the halo jump yeah Yeah. the jump which they actually did yeah film it you know wasn't like any special effects foolery they actually jumped those guys jumped out of a plane from real high up right yeah and that's that that scene that shot was used in i think the first teaser trailer Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure and just a how they fall, they're falling, and eventually they're falling past Godzilla's body. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the first showing of just how big, big it was going to be. Right. Yeah. 
So, um, but anyway, yeah, I, I, that's one of my favorite mm. things about that movie. Okay. For my last thing, I chose, uh, and it seems weird to say, but I chose the opening credits. Oh, yeah. The opening okay. credits, yeah. I think, are very fun and very clever. Um, they intertwine, um, you know, images from actual history, you know, into this this story, into this kind of universe. Uh, the opening credits play over this little black and white military footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they then they intersperse you know with stuff like with Monarch you mm-hmm. know the agency that's been you know researching these creatures going back clearly a while but it also takes footage from what is and I don't know if they used actual footage or they just made the, made this up on their own but it's clearly footage of the atomic testing and eventually the hydrogen bomb that was tested at the Bikini Islands mm-hmm. back in the fifties. Uh, I think it's just a really clever way of, you know, because in that footage, they even show Godzilla in the water swimming. You see his, like, his right. the spines, spines on his back as he's approaching the Bikini Atoll, uh, you know, before they detonate. Because they retcon those, new, quote unquote, nuclear tests. They weren't really tests. They were trying to kill him, mm-hmm. you know, even way back then. I think it's just a kind of a fun, always like that, you know, when you take actual history of our world and try to make it work into this kind of wild, right. you know, wild fictional uh, situation. And also how the credits will show, you know, someone's name, like the director's name or who a producer, and then a then a, a solid block of something will cover part of it up. Cause, like, redacted. It's the redact, like the government redacting some of the information. Yeah. Uh, I think it's very clever. The music is very um intense mm-hmm. so it's really kind of like setting the stage uh you know for giving you a little bit of the world's history without just having someone just give exp- right. expository dialogue forever yeah so i don't know it's really fun and really clever i always forget about it mm-hmm. and then when the, when i catch the beginning of that movie i was like oh yeah this is really fun actually i see something new in it yeah, that i sure. didn't notice before yeah. every time i watch it yeah so okay, okay. Um, so my third thing is, uh, really, I gotta say the first half of the movie, cause I always forget about it. Like I love the second half where you get, you've got the, the big giant Mutos traveling around and mm-hmm. there's explosions and they're moving through cities and you're like, ah, um, and Godzilla's fights and all of that is fantastic. But there's an amazing dramatic story that unfolds at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got Brian Cranston, who um, I remember they made a huge deal about Brian Cranston being in this movie, right? Like during the previews and trailers and like lead up to it, and then he dies in like the first I don't know fifteen twenty minutes, and you're like, oh okay, right? Hi Brian Cranston, <laughs> right. goodbye Brian Cranston. You know, really, you know, at the height of Breaking Bad, right? You know, so so um, but just his his story arc. That, you know, he, it was a, um, you know, there's a, a meltdown at the nuclear power plant, mm-hmm. um, and it's treated as though it's, it's, you know, an accident and a cover up and you can't go back and, and watching, you know, seeing Brian Cranston's character as he, he has to ultimately, he makes the decision to condemn his wife to death. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and and to see him not, not be able to forgive himself and how he 
turns that into like pursuing what is ultimately the truth. Yeah. Right. But, um, I just, I think like that, that's a, a crazy intense scene, you know, like yeah. he casually says, Oh, can you go down that right when we get there, just run downstairs and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that just, that single statement, right. Right. Is his leads his wife to death. And then he has, he has to say goodbye to her. Yeah. Um, but then, then you, you go on to see kind of what effect that has on somebody, you know, the really, his single mindedness mindedness about trying to um figure it out and mm-hmm. reveal the truth um and ford's abject kind of disgust slash pity for his father because he can't right. move on um but then there i mean there's a single line in there that brian cranston has that kind of sets the stage for me in terms of just the re like how the devastating things like this could be um, just he says, they evacuated us so fast. I don't even have a picture of her. Right. You know, and that's kind of what he's living with. Like, he mm-hmm. was never able to return to his home. He was, you know, right. and doesn't have even have a picture of his wife. Um, and all of that leads up. You're, like, leading into this, and they break back into the area, and then they're taken to the nuclear power plant. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, this movie is about Godzilla. So clearly they're setting us up to meet Godzilla. Oh, wait, no. No, no they're not. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's not Godzilla. That's Godzilla. That's a giant insect. Um, and I just, that kind of set up to the fact that there is, like, the impact that these creatures have on the lives of, of humans. Yeah. And these, and these specific families is so powerful. And it's easy to forget about that because I, I do focus so much on the second half of the movie mm-hmm. that I forget how much um, I, I really like the dramatic story that, they te- that they're telling in this. And, um, and they do a really, a really good job yeah. of portraying that. And so, yeah. I feel that he does, in any of these movies, there's going to be some part where someone's got to say some sort of ridiculous, made-up science mm-hmm. something or other. And, yeah. Uh, and science, they, science, science stuff. Yeah, science, Scientific words. As Joss Whedon once said, the scientisticians. Right. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, and they give him some of that. Mm-hmm. But he does a really good job of saying all that, not having it sound ridiculous, uh, and really sh- pulling off just a man who's been, who's just been facing, I mean, how many ever years later, just years of just anguish. 15. 15 years of just, yeah, of mm-hmm. just anguish over what happened and he just can't let it go. Right. You know, it's and he, to the point where he's essentially abandoned his, what's left of his family mm-hmm. in pursuit of this. So yeah, his, his performance is, is really a, a highlight. Um, the other thing I like about it, I'd read a lot of, um, comparisons about this, like, because you don't, you see Godzilla for all of 12 minutes in this movie. Right. Um, but you get all of this buildup to when he gets there. And I've seen a lot of comparisons of this to Jaws. Yeah. Because that same type of thing happens in, in Jaws, where... You have a, um, a a main character 
if you will, or the title character, I guess, really, if we're... yeah. <laughs> where um, the title character isn't in the movie for the majority of that movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is really cool. You know, like, it's typically not what I would expect, but at the same time, I appreciate the fact that they fill that with a really good story. Because with Jaws, they do the same thing. There's a great story oh, in yes. Jaws mm-hmm. and build up and preparation f- so that when you finally get to the shark, you're like, ah, okay, yeah. payoff, right? And I feel that they did that here too. Yeah. Like they tell you a good story that's leading up and then they do these lots of teases where you're like, ooh, ooh, we're, we're going to the nuclear power plant. There's going to be a monster. I mm-hmm. bet it's Godzilla. Oh, it's not Godzilla. Well, where's Godzilla? Right. You know, so you're like, you get a little build up, a crescendo, and then you're like, Okay, so they've introduced that character. What's going to happen next? And so I just, I really, I, I appreciate the storytelling aspect that they do here. Yeah. They don't just have a big monster movie where they're just monsters every two seconds and you're, you almost could become um, immune to it, yeah. you know, and be like, oh, all right, yeah. like, yeah. all right. Yeah, if you read, I am the IMDB page on, IMDB page on this movie uh, it really talks a lot about how they were influenced by Jaws mm-hmm. purposely. I mean, the uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's character Brody, mm-hmm. I mean, is an, is uh, a reference to Chief Brody yeah. from Jaws. Uh, I just think it's interesting. Um, I don't know if it means anything that the, the the shark you don't see the shark in Jaws until the end was a happy accident. It was mm-hmm. not intended. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't get it to work. Mm-hmm. Where in this movie it was a choice. It was deliberate. Yes. Yeah. So I find that interesting. But I and I and I like it. Yeah. You know I so, think that yeah. it was a really good choice. Yeah, I agree. I liked it too. All right. So uh, honorable mention things. Yeah, I have some honorable mentions. Me too. Uh, I'm gonna say for one, there's the shot where Ken Watanabe is on like an aircraft carrier and they're close to Hawaii and they see Godzilla in the water kind of you see like like jaws like the the fin mm-hmm. like the three ridges of spines on his back as he goes under right the aircraft carrier and under some other warships and is able and moves them you know from mm-hmm. water displacement you know moves them pretty easily i've always thought that was a cool yeah cool shot i would i would agree um i like the point where godzilla kills the male muto by uh swinging his tail and smashing it into the building Mm -hmm. like i just so often you just see monsters utilize their teeth and their claws and this is kind of a deliberate decision making process of you know a creative way to kill yes you know the the muto and i Mm. i liked that i thought that was cool i did too um, I also, I like the, the sequence that involved the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh yeah. That was pretty fun. Uh, you know, missiles flying around and, mm-hmm. you know, Godzilla coming out of the water and yeah, that was great. I love that part. Um, I liked, I, I actually was pretty impressed with Aaron Taylor Johnson. Oh, okay. You know, like he's not what I would consider like he's not a a great actor in my opinion Mm -hmm. you know and maybe it's just because I really don't he's an actor who 
I don't think about as a leading character, as a leading actor. Yeah. And so whenever I see him in things, I'm like, wait, who's that guy? I know that guy. Yeah. Is that that guy? That one guy? You know, like, I just don't think of him as, as a main man. Yeah. Um, but he's pretty good in this. Yeah. You know? So I, I, I have to give him that, that shout out. Yeah. So, um, Ken Watanabe is great yes, in anything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I love that he's in this as the, uh, you know, the scientist, kind of the lead scientist with Monarch, mm-hmm. and he says he's super serious about everything. Uh, very, and just, and there's been a lot, a lot of people maybe make fun of the line that he says when he says, let them fight. Let you them know what? Fight. Screw it. I yeah. love that. I know. I mean, you're, it's going to happen. You're going to have monsters fighting in a city. You're watching a Godzilla movie. It's what you want. Right. So why not just have him say it? Come on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I mean, he's definitely got the the both scientist, but he's got the the, the clear fanboy. You know, like yeah. And he, you know, he definitely is like admires these creatures, and oh, he's just for sure. like, oh yeah, yeah, let him let let's just watch this happen. Yes. But um, I think uh, so. One of my favorite YouTube channels is How It Should Have Ended. Oh right. Right, and they do a great point with that line like a little bit with that line and Mm -hmm. it's really funny so i can't actually hear him say let them fight without thinking of that scene Mm -hmm. of that cart of that little um bit and then it makes me giggle (laughs) okay um any other honorable mentions well i had ken watanabe as my one of mine and then the atomic breath I i also thought the setup for the atomic breath was really cool yes so, all right, uh, all right. I guess we'll move on to dislikes. dislikes. Yeah. All right. I will say that um, I, don't know, I wasn't as impressed with Aaron Taylor Johnson okay. in this movie. Uh, one of the major criticisms that this movie got was uh, the human characters are all very flat, mm-hmm. uh, very thin, figuratively speaking, in their development. Maybe outside of Brian Cranston, probably. And it's a criticism that I. I, I see it. I, I get it. And I agree with it most mm-hmm. for the most part. It, it just doesn't bother me. Yeah. So, it's not about the human characters yeah, necessarily. They're, they're there as the viewport to this spe- spectacle, mm-hmm. this fantastical reality that just suddenly came crashing down around everybody's ears that these things exist. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't need to... Yeah, he and Elizabeth Olsen, you know, I don't they didn't have a ton of chemistry as a married couple. You know, Whatever. so they came that that came out right about the time um, Ultron did Age, Age of uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron. Yeah, that was weird. So they were just recently brother and sister, and right. then this movie where they're married, and it was like I just my I don't know, it yeah. was just weird. So good. Um, I would say um, Elizabeth Olsen is wasted in this movie. Sure, she's very talented. Yeah. Um. I I think one of the movies that I that it was probably one of the movies in my recent memory that's had the most impact on me was the movie Wind River. Oh that yeah, has Elizabeth Olsen in it. She's great, and she's with another Avengers co-star, Jeremy Renner, mm-hmm. and um and so she's she's very talented, and she's wasted in this movie. I know, like she has. 
no role. I yeah. mean, no purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not even, um, you know, they talk about, like, the different tropes of, like, fridging the wife. Like, she's not she's not killed and yeah. used as a as a revenge plot point. She's not she's not getting rescued by him. She's not saving the day. Like she's just she's just there. She's on the other yeah. side and he's trying to get to her and and she's there. Like and yeah. I just feel like she's that that's wasted. Like what it, is there other things that she could have done? Right. Like any actress could have done that job. Um, so they wasted it, that role on somebody who's, who's way more talented. Yeah. So that was super disappointing to me just cause I was like, what? It, it seemed like, why did she get that much screen time? She didn't even need that much screen time. It, it seems like upon watching it this time, uh, it occurred to me that they were like, well, we got to give Aaron Taylor's Johnson's character, well, we'll give him a family so that people will care about him. And then they give you like a scene with him and his family. Okay. Job done. We showed the family moving on. Right. And it was like, what was the, yeah. And you just, you know, it didn't make me care for him anymore because mm-hmm. it wasn't done very convincingly and you barely see them. Right. I mean, if that's all you're going to do with that character, go give some unknown actress a shot at that and save yourself some money on the budget without right. having to pay Elizabeth Olsen whatever her fee is. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It seemed... I just felt like they were... It's from my perspective, they were like, okay, so we know how to get him out of San Francisco into Japan. Uh-huh. What's his rationale for coming back? Right? right. Why does he need to come back to San Francisco? Mm-hmm. Okay. And they and that's why they that's how they built the family. Yeah. Right? They had to give him a compelling reason to want to get back to San Francisco. But outside of a cute kid and a wife, like I don't know. Yeah. I just I was just so disappointed in the fact that it is it's not a meaningful role and I mean it just and and then so then all of the screen time was given to like her, you know, deciding not to keep her son with her to give him give her, hand him over to the bus that's evacuating. Like that's even a choice. The fact that that wasn't her first instinct was like, let me get my son out of harm's way. Yeah. That she even had this moment where, no, we're going to wait together for Ford to come and rescue us. I was like. What is your problem? Mm-hmm. Put your kid on the bus and get him to safety. Like, what is wrong with you? Um, but then they just have all these random shots where she's like, still at the hospital, running to a shelter. Is she going to survive in the shelter? Like, you don't care. Yeah, you don't. And so, I don't know. Yeah. It was disappointing. Yeah. Um, I also didn't care for when the second Muto was introduced. It was very like... Oh, well, you know what? We want a second monster to fight Godzilla. Let's just say there was another one that was, like, in Nevada. <laughs> good good enough? They tested bombs out there. There was radiation. Sounds good. He yeah. comes from Nevada. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't care for... That seemed very out of nowhere. It wasn't seeded, you know, previously. Really just, like, uh, 
kind of happened. Okay, well, there's two of them now. Right. Well, they had to have the male who had wings. But where was the male going to go? Right. Well, sure. I mean, once you introduced him, it made sense where he was going. Mm -hmm. But just like, uh, oh, yeah, just this one just happened to be in America. Right. Yeah. Mm. So. Well, well, they had to have a reason for it to go to San Francisco. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I can see that. I think it was worthwhile to have that because it's, I mean, it's Godzilla and they had to give Godzilla sure. worthy a, a worthy adversary. And since there's no single worthy adversary at this t- point in time, mm-hmm. they had to give him two. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I honestly, outside of really my issue with the, you know, the waste of Elizabeth Olsen's character. Yeah. There's not a whole lot about this movie that I don't like. Yeah. You know? Like, I feel like it's it's done pretty well. And it tells a good story. And they, they, they do a great anticipatory portion of the movie when you figure that Godzilla is really only in it for 10% yeah. of the movie. Um, so, yeah, it's just a really strong well done movie yeah i feel like it's a bad rap um of people that i mean i like the kind of it's described as a kind of a slow burn oh, you know? I like it. Yeah. you know but i i think they i think uh that it works well mm-hmm. and you know i wonder like as far as there not being a lot of godzilla in it um well certainly there's the aspect they wanted to hold them back mm-hmm. you know uh, for a big reveal but also i wonder how much money it is to render him because he is i feel a more complicated looking being than the mutos are so i wonder i mean and there's a statistic on imdb that if one singular computer tried to render him it would take over 400 years for that one computer to do it Mm -hmm. um so i wonder how what the cost is and what budgetarily if there's some sort of formula where like well we can we can afford this many minutes of Godzilla. Right. So I wonder how much that is taken into, into effect. But yeah. Maybe. I do think they, I mean, I think they did a good job with with that, though, because, like, Godzilla had, Godzilla's uh, face has a lot of micro-expressions. Yeah. And twitches mm-hmm. and, you know, like moments where you're like oh my gosh godzilla is so yeah. tired and you can kind of see oh, this world weary that reminds me deep of, yeah. sigh in him you know like i just feel like it was a great they did a great job of doing all of those little micro expressions yeah on on this face that's like a composite of a bear a dog a wolf a komodo dragon, dragon yeah. right you know and that they so I can see why it would take so long yeah. to render him on a single computer if you did that. Yeah. The, uh, it reminded me of one other thing I should have mentioned as an honorable mention. There was, uh, like, after the, after the Halo jump, and they're on the ground, and Godzilla, uh, during the fight, it falls to the ground mm-hmm. and kind of turns and looks, and for, he and Ford seemingly are looking at each other. And, there's, and it's like these two... They're both in their way, you know, warriors. Right. You know, but just, you know, and, but you said there's, they put this weariness on Godzilla's face as he's laying there and then a cloud of dust, you know, covers him. Mm-hmm. And it's really, I really like that. It's really cool. Yeah. There's another, yeah. there's another moment where 
Godzilla like stands up and kind of turns around and sees like he's still got more work to do. Mm-hmm. And there's like a big sigh. Yeah. Like Godzilla's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess here. Okay, fine. You know, like just that idea of how ancient he is and how often he's fought this battle. Yeah. Um, that That's kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. All right. So uh, is that going to be everything on 2014's Godzilla? Yes, it is. Okay. We like it. Yes, we do. We are, we're in the pro this movie camp. Correct. All right. As a, uh, before we get out of here, as a recommendation, I'm going to rec- uh, recommend another podcast. Okay. Uh, from Portland, Oregon. Uh, it's called the Kaiju Cast. Uh, it is... If you're a person who didn't like 2014's Godzilla, but like all the old Godzilla, listen to the Kaiju cast. Those guys know everything about the history of the Kaiju movies and Godzilla. The guy who hosts it made his own Godzilla documentary mm-hmm. called uh, Hail to the King, 60 Years of Destruction, which I believe you can find on YouTube. It's pretty good. Uh, but their point of view is very interesting because they make no bones. They didn't like that movie. Oh, wow. That we just talked about for an hour. And it just it drives me crazy anytime I listen to them. Because it's like, you guys love this thing. And maybe it's not a perfect movie. But I just don't get how you hate it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but they but they still love the, the genre and the history of it. And they're a fun listen. Oh, good. So, uh, yeah, the Kaiju cast from right here in, in Portland, Oregon. Awesome. my recommendation for the week. Okay. Well, um, my recommendation... I think I've recommended them before. If I haven't, I have been remiss in my duties. Um, so I am not a big, like, YouTube person. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't just sit and watch a bunch of videos on YouTube Yeah. Um, on a regular basis. Unless they come from how it should have ended. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, a YouTube channel it's uh, they do a series of just short um, cartoon and renditions where they take lots of popular movies and they go through how it should have ended so all of those opportunities where you're like oh if only you have turned left you totally would have gotten to the end and solved the problem um, they do that yeah and they have a great time with it and it's mm-hmm. really funny um, but I and I just I giggle hysterically and I can watch uh, those videos over and over again. Yes. Uh, so I am recommending go find I don't care what movie it is, one of your favorite movies or a movie you didn't like. So especially those. They right, really do good with those. Especially those. You get on and you find how it should have ended and you look, watch how they think that movie should have ended or those those points and they they just do a, a great job of skewering it in a way that is you, that allows you to laugh and have a great time and it's and they're clever oh yeah very very clever so that's my recommendation okay how it should have ended on youtube yes okay well that'll do it this week for this week's episode of the cold beer and cool movie podcasts mm-hmm. next week uh the brand new uh, Godzilla, King of Monst- King of the Monsters. Yes, I'm so excited to talk about it. Me too. Me so. too. Uh, I was really looking forward to this. The trailers were just beautiful. Uh, so yeah, 
look forward to that. Uh, you listen to us on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Most other places you find a uh, podcast. You can email the podcast. Tell us what you thought of this Godzilla, previous Godzillas, uh, the cartoon Godzilla I watched mm-hmm. as a child. Uh, you can email us at ddkpodcasting at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, if you like what we do, you know, tell a friend. You know, you've got a commute. Uh, your friend's got a commute. Mm-hmm. Don't listen to that song you've heard a million times already. Listen to us. Right. And, yeah. So thanks, everybody, for giving us a listen. And until next week. Go see a movie. And thanks.